Have you ever had that moment in your marriage where you knew your relationship would be changed forever? Our guest, Jerrianne Weesbrook, shares her story of how her puppy love and first kiss turned into a lifelong love, but it wasn't that easy. She and her husband fought for 10 years and then redeemed the story. The Legendary Marriage Podcast begins now. If you're feeling more like roommates than soulmates, it's time for the Legendary Marriage Podcast. Every couple wants to have a great marriage, but the trials and challenges of life pull us in different directions. So we talk with amazing couples who share their stories and incredible experts who share their wisdom about building a life together. And at the end of every show, we give you a conversation starter so you and your spouse can build more intimacy and connection in your marriage by having conversations that matter. Hello there, Legendary Marriage family. Wow, that was off key. <laughs> like, that was bad. We're Danielle and Justin, and this is episode 96. So whether you've been listening a long time or this is your first time, welcome to the show. I'm still laughing at your terribly off. Stop. Oh my goodness. Just All right. We do your announcements. We, just a couple of announcements as usual. If you aren't a part of our community on Facebook, come check it out. We've got great stuff happening over there and some first dib opportunities coming up this month. Speaking of which, podcast reviews. These are so important to us. And uh, so we're asking you to take a few minutes and do it this week. Uh, you could win a prize. Reviews are important. They help the show rank better in searches so that more people can find us and listen and have conversations that matter and become a part of the Legendary Marriage family. So to be a part of all that's happening, we want you to head over to iTunes or the podcast app on your phone and leave a review and a rating. Then jump over to the Facebook group and post a comment on the reviews thread. We will draw one lucky winner each week in September for cash and prizes. Woohoo! All right, that's it for announcements. This is episode 96. And I love this story today so much because I feel like Jerry Ann and I. So Justin's not in on this interview. Yeah, I, I think you two became sisters. I think we were like sisters from word one. She and I are. I feel like kindred spirits in the fact that she's super sassy and I <laughs> sassy. I love she it. is. And I love the sass. The more sass, the better you, in my world. Why way. do you always argue with my sass then? I like female sass. Okay. I don't like your sass. Sometimes you take right. it a little too far sometimes. All right. So Jerry Ann Weisbrook is on the show today. <laughs> she is a founder of the military mama network a group that helps support military families as well as deployed service members. Oh my gosh, such a wonderful cause. Yes. She's going to share how she and her husband fought for 10 years to save their marriage, 10 years, people. And mm. now they've been married 32 years and their family is having a huge impact in loving people worldwide. So let's get to our conversation with Jerry Ann Weisbrook. We are so happy to have Jerry Ann Weisbrook on the show today. She and her husband, Paul, have been married 32 years, and they have two kids, 
30 and 27. And I think Jerry Ann is like one of the youngest um, looking moms I've ever seen in my whole life. Um, she is the founder of Military Mama Network, which we will get into all of that. They support troops and their families. And man, they are just building a legacy and doing lots of good work. We're so happy to have you on the show today, Jerry Ann. Welcome. Thank you. Okay. So you, you and your husband, Paul, man, 32 years, that's a, that's a, that's a long go at it. And uh, looks like you guys are just hitting your stride. You're doing amazing. And how did y'all meet in the first place? Like what kind of made you fall in love and think, yeah, this is probably the guy. I'm glad you're asking me that because his story is so different. Um, Oh, I want to hear both sides too. There's always two two competing sides. So I, um, I remember him in seventh grade, I was new in town and went to Sunday school. And there was this cute little boy, I mean, little boy, who looked like Dennis the Menace overalls and orange and white striped t-shirt and just cute. But I was like, marginally hooked then. And then by, I mean, I'm telling you, by the end of eighth grade, I was like, I love this guy. And when people are like, oh, puppy love, that's so cute. I'm like, marry my puppy love. We got through it all. And don't underestimate puppy love. Like, just don't. His story is... um, That is crazy. (laughs) Like, I wonder how many... I wonder how many ladies would admit that they actually had a crush on Dennis the Menace when they... Like, I always thought he was adorable. Like, we would watch it on, like, what was it? Nick at Night or something like that. That's probably aging me now that I watched on Nick at Night. But I always thought he was so adorable. So I I can... uh, I can see what you're saying there, Jerian. Yeah, I did not ever watch Dennis Menace, ironically, but that that's the visual. Like if if you knew Dennis, you know Paul. So sorry, Paul. Yeah, so then he, he came, we went, so we went to year-round school and we came back um, between freshman and sophomore year, you get like a three-week break. And he left as a freshman looking like Dennis the Menace and he came back as like a man-child. Tall, <laughs> hair that was not Dennis the Menace and looking... As steadily as you can look sophomore year in high school. And I'm like, oh my, <laughs> literally, I'm like, I feel it all over again. Like he was my guy. Oh, no, wait, you said you had competing stories. What would his story be? Yeah, so his story was he wasn't interested in females in high school. And we, um, I bought a really, we were just talking about this last night. It's kind of funny. I bought a piece of crap car and uh, I, and then ran it over a curb and called him because I knew he worked on cars. And I'm like, hey, do you know anyone that fixes cars? And he's like, well, I do. I'm like, I mean, are you good? Yeah. And we got together and he started working on cars. I'd keep him company. And um, it just kind of oozed in from friendship to attraction to we were a couple. I love the ooze. Justin and I had the ooze too. Like, we're like, people always ask us, like, when did you actually start dating? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't yeah, know. We, we celebrate a date that we don't share publicly, <laughs> but we don't know our first date. Mm-mm. We have I don't no know idea. Our first date is either. But I don't know. I honestly, we've, we've debated this a couple times. I'm not even sure I know what our first kiss was. Like, I, I'm, I have a thought of when it was. But neither one of us are a hundred percent sure on it, and we're like, I, I'm sure that's not cool <laughs> that we can't. Oh, I know our, first that. <laughs> our first kiss was my 16th birthday. <gasps> yeah. Our, yes, yeah, yeah. 
too perfect. It is. Perfect. Okay. So you fell in love, high school sweethearts, all that. You get married. Um, and you said everything was going pretty well. And then you guys hit kind of a rocky part of your marriage. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Uh, you know what? Here's the thing I like to say. Um, first, just, just to clarify, we were not high school sweethearts. Oh. I adored him. He was not all that interested. So we actually didn't start dating until I think we were 20. <gasps> so the kiss was just a standalone kind of a thing? Yeah, it was, sadly. Period. Oh my gosh, you must have been like obsessed swooning for years. Oh, he just doesn't even know how lucky he is. Um, <laughs> he might now, but yeah. So we were just really great friends, really, really great friends. And I dated other people. And he did dated people, but I, I just always compared him to him and no one ever measured up, which sorry for all my ex-boyfriends, but it's a true story. Um, anyway, so fast forward, get married, have our two kids. He's working a job and a half. I'm working and going to school. And we are just that couple where we are just grinding it, you know, and trying to... And we would have these, like my uh, friend calls them kitchen conversations where you're like leaning against the counter and he's leaning against the stove. And I'm sure my finger was in his face. I need more of you. And he just didn't have it to give, you know, he was working hard and he was, um, he had a very low emotional capacity at that time, which I knew going into it. It wasn't like this was a surprise. He didn't change who he was, mm -hmm. I knew exactly who he was and expected that marriage would somehow magically change him. Oh my gosh. Why do we do that? Why do we do that? Especially, especially when that's like something that attracts you in the first place. Or like, oh, you're so like sexy and quiet and contemplative. And then you're like, why are you so quiet and contemplative? Yes. <laughs> I honestly, I think, I mean, there are a couple of key things that really impacted our marriage uh, positively for me. But I think to answer your question, you know, it's those stupid fairy tales that we our parents tell us, we tell our kids, especially our girls, oh, your wedding day is going to be so special and marriage fixes everything. Marriage grows you up if you allow it to, you know, marriage doesn't fix everything. Marriage is a relationship just like everything else. And if you're really, really lucky and blessed and committed, you can sit here and say, yeah, we're going to be married 33 years very soon. So. Mm, I, um, I feel like, I feel like it even brings like a magnifying glass yeah. to everything that was there. Like you're like, oh, there may be this little thing. And then like when you get married, you're like, you see it like a 20X zoom and you're like, yeah. whoa, that that's not a little thing. Like that's that's a th real thing. <laughs> well, and I think, you know, for me, I'm obviously, I think a strong personality and a really strong woman, which my mother-in-law is too. And I adore her for that. So he married exactly who his mother was and he was exactly who his mother was raised him to be. But when you are blending lives, you know, and you've got two, and he's a very strong personality too. It just expressed differently. Two very strong personalities with very different ideas about how to do everything from laundry to cooking. Mm -hmm. And then it's the relationship thing. And then babies come, you know, like I, it, there's just so much in a young marriage that I don't, I don't know that we talk about it realistically, like mm -hmm. put your socks in the dirty clothes is a thing, you know, but it's not a thing to him. So is it worth getting in a fight over? Just pick up the socks. Eventually you'll learn. I can tell you 33 years later, eventually they put their socks in the dirty clothes. So yeah. <laughs> yeah so, you know, we're chugging along and we hit this crisis and I, 
I am not kidding you, Danielle. It was an overnight crisis. And I could cry. You just found yourself. Wait, how was it overnight? You found yourself just in the kitchen screaming at him. And well, you know, just some things came to light that were extremely painful and, and extremely hidden. You know, those, you know, all those conversations that you have, they're sometimes kitchen conversations, but there's sometimes those like those in passing conversations where like three sentences are, ex- are exchanged and you know that your world will never be the same again. Or you have a realization where you put all the pieces together and go, oh, I know what that's about. Mm. You know, or it's a phone call, you know, like when the doctor called and said Paul had cancer, like it can be any, and really, and that's what I always say, like it, it, the details don't matter. Maybe it's financial, maybe it's health, maybe it's an addiction, maybe it's, you know, it's just, it's depression or it's anxiety or it's some exterior thing that comes into your marriage and you are on your knees if you're lucky. And I tell you what, there are a lot of times I was on my face, you know, like I was just flat out. Like, I'm not going to make it. We aren't going to make it. And we've got these babies who are looking at us, you know, was Paul in the same mindset that you were, that this was like a turning point crisis kind of moment in your marriage was, were you guys on the same page of like, Oh, this is some real stuff here that we need to get after. Yeah. I mean, I think that the greater, our town knew it was a turning point. I mean, it was a visible, like we, this, this came to light on Saturday and Sunday morning, we went to church and my friend pulled me aside, didn't know anything that was going on, pulled me aside and said, oh my gosh, what happened? The details don't matter. It's like, what do you do after, after you cry, after you say, okay, this is what we're dealing with, then what comes next? Well, for us, a decade of battling back and and battling each other a lot, quite honestly. Yeah. You know, where it sounds like you both were wanting to fight for your marriage, though. Is that true? Mm-hmm. I think Paul, honestly, Paul was probably more willing to fight than I was, but he's a quiet fighter. Mm-hmm. And so his fight looked really different than mine. And, and in the moment, it looked like he wasn't fighting, but you know what? He stood. He, when I was ready to bolt, and I tell you, the only reason why we're still married is because our kids were younger and I wanted to get them to college age so that our divorce wouldn't affect him. That was like, that's what I was telling myself. Like, I'm going to leave him as soon as this one gets to college. <laughs> You're like, that's um, a really long way from now, but. <laughs> well, it wasn't too long. It was, uh, it was a couple of years, honestly. But, and I was like, well, I mean, we've been dealing with this for how long? But, and so I was like, put a pin in it, went to counseling, you know, and, and honestly, like, I just hated him. And I think, I think you don't hate somebody if you don't love them too. I mean, like you don't get into those kinds of fights. And I mean, we, I tell you, Danielle, this is the kind of fight that we would get into. Um, So we were in an empty house at the time and we're at our kitchen table and next to our kitchen table as lad houses are, there's a window that looks out onto our back sidewalk and our son was coming in the back way and it was raining. It was cold. It was just a crappy night, you know, and he looked inside and he saw my face talking to my husband and he just kept walking. He would rather stand outside in the cold in the rain than come into the house. It should have been his refuge mm. and should have been a safe place. I mean, those kinds of fights where they were visible and the anger in the house was palpable for years. I don't even really want to think about what we did to our kids. Wow. My only hope is that, you know, where we are now and how long we have been there and what they see now 
somehow restores that, that they know that like marriages are worth fighting for and relationships are worth battling through and yuck. Yeah. The redemption story. We Uh, all, we, we want the redemption story and for our kids too. And yeah. Oh man. Well, and I think we want the redemption story, you know, in a 45 minute episode. Well, sure. Well, you're saying like 10 years, you guys were fighting hard. Like, man, I mean, I don't want to skip over the gravity of 10 years of, of fighting and fighting for that. But like, what was kind of the turning point where you thought like, Hey, there's hope here. Okay. So crazy, but true story. So I had gone to counseling, you know, he had gone to counseling. I don't know. I think between the two of us, was it helpful? A lot of it. No. And so my, my, here's my advice. If you don't like your counselor in the first few sessions, like once you get past the storytelling, leave, find another one. Paul had gone through seven, I think, counselors before Mm. we tripped across a a man who changed our marriage, changes many other marriages, and who I would pay marriages in crisis to go see him. That's how much I believe in this guy. Extraordinary. He sees into the heart of the matter, and he has no problem calling out the person with the heart problem. But also, he challenged me a lot too. He would call me and be like, "Can you do this?" And I'd be like, "Nope." How about? And he would dial it back until it was something that I could do, and then I would be like, "I can do that." But he always circled back and said, "Can you do this a little more?" And he got us. He got us on track one because he saw Paul for who he was, like this man of of heart and little um, words, like. Paul's inability to express how he felt was, was a, a stumbling point, mm. but my over ability to express how I felt <laughs> didn't help either. Um, so that's the thing it's about, chas- it's quite a chasm between. Oh my gosh. You know, we went, this was like when our kids were little and I forget, I was just miserable. Like I was, I wanted the fairy tale marriage and I got a real life marriage, you know, mm. and I think there's that. Well, we had gone to marriage counseling for a little bit when um, our son was in diapers and I remember he was in diapers because we stopped at the local grocery store to get diapers right after the counselor said, I don't see any way how you guys are going to make this. You are so, oh. you are so different. You cannot cross that. And I'm like, that is on like Donkey Kong. I'm pretty sure she said that. So that I would, cause I'm obviously that person like poke me and I'm going to poke back. Yeah. And I think that she did it so that to be like, and we quit her after that. I'm like, we're fine. And honestly, we were for a lot of years. And, but, you know, we just kept having this repetitive problem. And part of it was the, our inability to communicate. But there were other things that were happening. You know, and, and again, it doesn't matter really what they are. Whatever your recurring crisis is or your recurring challenges are, you need to deal with them at the core. You cannot deal with them on the surface and say, okay, now we're okay, right? So anyway, we go I, think, I think a lot of people get stuck in the topic too. Yes. Like, it's like, it's a money thing or it's a whatever. It's like, you don't trust each other. Yeah. You don't like, there's some, there's some things under the things under the things. And then yeah. if you can get there, the topical things are just topics. Yes. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And I think, you know, we can fight. I mean, we don't fight very much anymore. I, that's another piece of the story. But anyway, so he's at this counselor that um, we'd gone to a marriage retreat. So we got a marriage retreat. I had, I was working and uh, my then boss was like, would you go to this thing? And I'm like, no. And he's like, well, would you go to this thing? If, and I'm like, no, I don't think you understand my words. No, I am not doing this. The only way I'm going to that is if I can take a separate car and leave when he shuts down, because that's what's going to happen. And it's going to happen before Friday night's over. And I don't want to be stuck in this town, in this hotel with all these happily married people. Not happening. So he's like, well, 
well, that's like, you can't do that. And I'm like, well, then I'm not going. Well, whatever happened, he like, he, he ground me down, finally get to the marriage thing. And exactly what I said was going to happen was going to happen. But the workshop had gone really late. And so I'm calling people at 10 o'clock at night. Can you come get me? Because, you know, it was before Uber. Can you please pick me up? And I literally had people lined up like when this happens, because it's going to, can you come get me? So none of them were available. None of them were available. So I'm stuck there overnight in this like icy cold, furious. You're like, this is my nightmare. Horrible room. Like it's a beautiful suite. There's candles. Like they set the stage. So is there anything worse than being in a marriage mess than that setting and all these other ones like loving and hugging? And I'm like, eh. You're like, I'm going to so burn these rose petals. I'm going to throw oh, yeah, I think actually there I'm were. I'm going to drink actually, all the champagne myself yeah. and you're getting nothing. Um, nothing. I'm like, I could, I would blow you up if I could. So <laughs> we go down to this atrium area and there's no one there. You know why? Because all the other married couples are talking and we are not. So we go down to this atrium area and the atrium is like echoing empty and there's one couple and it's the couple who's presenting this weekend. And I'm like, shoot me now. Now it's like, we have to sit with them, you know, like we can't just be, oh, it's awful. And they like, oh, they're going to like tell us more wisdom or yeah. whatever. If you just, so now we wave them over and that's what started it. But this is the guy, the guy who presented it, his name is Tim Buttry. And he's like, Paul, here's your thing. Ding, 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 ding. He's Jerry and here's your thing. And I'm like, nailed it, nailed it. <laughs> so after the weekend, he and Paul started working together and he called and said, would you guys go out on a date? And I'm like, no, I'm not going to date him. No, no, I, 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 no, I'm not even, I don't want to be in the room with him. No. And I don't know what Paul was saying because we weren't talking. <laughs> so finally, Tim dialed it back to, would you go to a movie? And I said, I'll go to a movie if I don't have to talk to him afterwards and we don't have to go to dinner after that. So after a month, we did that. And he's like, okay, well, how about dinner? And I'm like, fine. Burger King, quick. No, Fridays, because it was at the movie place and we didn't have to spend extra time in the car. (laughs) I don't even know. Like, we go to Fridays. It was not a date. I was tormenting him. I don't know what it was, but I know I was, like, angry at him. And I was saying something mean. And my husband, who does not typically fight back in this fashion, puts the keys down and he's like, I'll walk home. Oh, no, this is not the script, buddy. This is not how it goes. So he left. And like, I I'm, get telling, I'm telling the counselor. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, he knows the story. He knows the story. Um, so we get in the car and I pull up the car next to him. I'm like, get in. This is stupid. He's like, no, I'm not. I don't want to be with you. I don't want to be anywhere near you. And I'm like, no, that you no, you can't do that. So we come home and I'm pretty convinced we're going to be divorced that night. Like, mm-hmm. this is it. Unbeknownst to me at the time, he called Tim because I called Tim. Tim wasn't answering my call. He called Tim. He because he was on the phone with Paul. Yes. and Tim's like whatever advice Tim gave him so Paul comes home he sleeps on the couch I'm like again no no this is not the script this is not you do not no we're not going down like this yeah because I had locked the bedroom door so the one he tried to get in our room he couldn't he would like oh he didn't even try I mean it's hysterical so there was this like really dark moment and both of us when we talked about it later was like that's the night where we both thought we were gonna divorce both of us Mm -hmm. thought this was it like both of us were bereft of hope and so you know i mean a big part of our story is we believe in god and we believe in the in the redemption story that i don't know that without faith you can have i really don't when people ask how did you do it i'm like god healed us and i mean like that so i'm in our room like quite frankly cranking out to god because he's supposed to be on my side and he's like jerry and go out and talk to him i'm like what's your plan b because that's not happening 
go out and talk to him. I'm not going to talk to him. Go out. And like, literally, he would not, God would not let go and neither would I. And I'm like, I am not. It was, so then like, like, that, it was like that wrestling with God story. 100%. And you know, the story ends the same. I will not leave until I get a blessing. Yes. Give me one. Dang it. So I'm like, fine, I'll go out there. So I go out there and I'm like, literally I'm standing on the couch and I'm like, I'm standing on the couch. Yes. Um, I'm only out here because God made me. And Paul's like super offended because I wouldn't just come out on my own juice. I'm like, have you been in our marriage? Like I be glad that God's still speaking to me and I'm still listening as however reluctantly I am. And so we're whatever, I don't even remember the conversation, but what I remember is for the first time since this crisis began, I kissed him. And again, like it was just because God's like, you need to kiss him. I'm like, I'm not kissing him. I mean, literally like I'm having this, it was probably 15 minutes on the couch where it's just, it was awful. It was awful, awful, awful. And I leaned over and kissed him and I realized that through everything else, I still had feelings for him. Mm. And everything changed that night. We had a lot of work to do, but everything changed that night. And and I think like looking back and I think about this because we do talk about it sometimes. And I talk about it to women who are struggling in marriage a lot because it was, it was my inability to tap into the fact that I still loved him. I was still attracted to him and he was my guy that mm. I couldn't get through the anger, but you know, it would apply the same thing, Danielle, through the depression, through the sadness, through the anxiety, through the distance, through the, we've gone through too much to stop the fight or the cold or the silence and walk over to that person who you loved at one point so much that you were willing to, I'm totally going to cry. You were willing to get past and walk away from everything you had before to, to join a life with this person and stop and remember that and remember those moments, you know, and kiss that person and allow yourself to feel and acknowledge that you feel it. Because I don't believe that unless and until you have that moment, you can fight through the rebuilding. You have got to know like at your core. And I say like, my, for me and Paul, for me, it's a pheromone thing. Like it is so guttural and physical and my soul deep how I feel about him, whether I love him or I hate him. It's like all of me. There's no indifference. No, I don't know if I'm capable of indifference in life, but really not with him, you know, but if I wouldn't have had that moment, if I wouldn't have allowed myself to be vulnerable, if I would not have reached out, I don't know if we would have made it. I really don't. And also the the listening to God piece and even yeah. fighting. And that's, um, I feel like sometimes you get in that mindset of like, can I really yell at God? Can I really tell him no? Can I, you know, and you said you were just going back and forth and back and forth. I'm not going to do that. Yes, you are. No, I'm not. And um, that's okay. I feel like that's a really good representation of a healthy relationship. And God mm -hmm. was fighting for you and yeah. Paul, no matter what. It didn't matter that you were yelling at God. And it didn't matter that you and Paul had yelled at each other 500 times before tonight, because, mm -hmm. you know, it was still worth reclaiming it. There was hope. All right, we'll get back to our conversation in just a moment. But first, we wanted to just take a moment to encourage you to, one, have the conversation with your spouse. Talk about this episode. And at the end of the episode, you'll see there's a, a conversation starter. But more than that, 
come on over to the Facebook group, to our community on Facebook, and share some of your thoughts and your insights and your ideas, the places that you've you've struggled through some of the themes that have come up in this episode or, or where you've had victories. Yeah, and the truth is, you guys are not alone. Other couples are going through the same things. They have similar questions. And it's so cool because the couples in there can really learn from each other and gain encouragement from each other. So join our conversation on Facebook at legendarymarriage.com slash community. We'll see you there. And now back to the show. How did you guys start the journey to head back towards the amazingly healthy 32 year couple that you guys are today? Oh, well, I will tell you like the, the big shift for us was that night, but that was Memorial Day weekend and by Labor Day weekend, we were on pretty solid footing. So what I'm saying is the 10 years of fighting, that was nine years and three quarters of it. And then we got to the, the quarter of it, you know, and so he kept going to counseling and I went to counseling, but the thing that my counselor was really fantastic. I love her. Um, was she would say, accept whatever small measure he offers and accept it with grace and dignity. And I'm like, what? Are you kidding me? Like a little chocolate kiss? Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Accept it. I'm like, I'd roll my eyes because that's what I do. Well, I started to do that. I really, really made the effort to do that. And so he would do it like, and he would do amazingly romantic things that I occasionally remind him he doesn't do anymore. Like he shoveled, I was at a meeting next door and he shoveled a walk for me, a walkway for me, but he also shoveled a giant heart in the snow. Oh, yeah, right. So, but this is at a time when we couldn't talk. And so what I realized looking back is, you know, where I would like, yeah, I'll do that, but you won't talk to me. That was him talking to me. Mm. And I think that for me to realize in that three month period where we were really like making extremely amazing progress, it was me being able to acknowledge he doesn't speak like me. Mm -hmm. He isn't me. He's a very, very, very different person. And that's what attracted me to him. And then I skewered him for being a very, very, very different person. And so when he does, oh my gosh, I'm totally going to cry. So when he does, did stuff like that, or he would, you know, drive to, I had PT because I hurt my shoulder. So he would drive to where I had physical therapy. And while I was in physical therapy, he would leave me a cup of tea or a note. It wasn't on the way to anything for him. He made an effort to do that, you know, or he would pick up my favorite pizza, even though it's not his favorite pizza. Like the thing about that rebuilt our marriage, I think probably more than anything else was first of all, really good counseling. And whether you're a Christian or not, there's good counselors and there's bad counselors. I don't know that you can, I really don't know that you can make it through crises without faith but maybe other people can't. I just know I can't. All of our counselors, and actually that's not true. My counselor wasn't even Christian. She did, I don't know that she believed in God at all, but it didn't matter. She gave me the tools, like right. accept whatever small measure with grace and dignity and say, thank you. Mm. How easy is that? You know, say, thank you. Paul's counselor was tougher because he'd be like, hug him. And I'm like, what? Hug him for 30, for a minute. I'm like, hmm. Do you know how long 60 seconds is? That's a really long time. You're like, literally seconds is long to me right now. Yeah. <laughs> well, when you've got little kids pulling on you too, but I would literally be counting in my head and how attractive is this? So he's hugging me like sincerely and you can feel the genuineness of a hug and I'm going one, two, three. <laughs> out loud. Are you doing that? No, no, I wouldn't do out loud. <laughs> He's like, wow, I can really feel the love here. Well, I'm pretty sure that was the case anyway, because I was just not a very pleasant person to be with him. You know, we both loved our kids. We both were committed to giving them the best that we had. 
but we were, I was not. Pleasant. Now, what words would you have for, I'm sure some of our listeners are out there today and maybe they're not acknowledging that they're in a crisis yet, or maybe they are. Maybe like some of those circumstances you said, like maybe they're not talking to each other. They're not affectionate toward each other. They feel like they're kind of in the roommate zone. You know, mm-hmm. they're not ready to just, you know, divorce or anything, but they're going through some stuff like, and it can feel, I I think you really keyed into something really crucial there and that the hope sometimes can be lost. Yeah. And once that hope goes, you know, it's a tough road ahead, but what words would you have for those couples that know they need to do some repair? Well, I think, um, you know, if it's low level repair, I love go away for a weekend, go on a marriage retreat or go on a marriage event, but it's a weekend's important and overnight is important mm-hmm. because it's getting away from your life, right? With, for us, it was our kids and our house, you know, don't talk about laundry, don't watch a movie, don't make it easy, but do something where you focus on each other. Right. And it can be fun. You know, it doesn't have to be all work. A lot of times we would go on these retreats on the night before when, you know, you do like the coffee thing or whatever. And then they're like, okay, tomorrow we're hitting it. Well, we would stay up late and talk because it was, we could, we could. And we would literally cover everything that went on in the marriage retreat anyway. So I think that just going away and don't go away to some, go away to what you can afford. Mm -hmm. But I'm telling you, like, this is what I believe. If you are in crisis or you are, deflated in a marriage or you're just kind of a dad, you know, like you're raising kids and you're tired and you, it, oh, you're just trying to get through. Ask people you love to chip in for an anniversary gift, a Christmas gift, whatever, to chip in and send you to like a nice B&B. Mm, I like and it. literally, this is what we do for people. Like here's luggage. You know why? Because I believe that every year as a married couple, you need to go away, even if it's down to the corner, but ask your people who are invested in your success to chip, ask for that for Christmas, ask for that for your birthday, ask for it for your anniversary and ask for the pieces, you know, cause like we're very blue collar people, very blue collar people, and, you know, like where his parents could get us the weekend, but maybe not the meal, but my parents could get us the meal and my siblings would maybe get us a movie and put together a package with all the people who love you and be humble enough to ask for it. Mm-hmm. And then go and just remember who you are as a couple, hold hands, kiss. We, we, we embarrass people, I think, but I don't really care. It's not like I'm grabbing his butt, but I'm not unwilling to. I just know it's not socially acceptable. <laughs> you know, like kiss like you mean it. Look in their eyes and remember who they are. Hold their hands. Yeah. Do that. Yeah. Do that. And if the dinner is, is Burger King, that doesn't matter. Our dates early on were McDonald's shakes because we couldn't even afford a meal. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. We were paying a lot of money in counseling fees doesn't matter. It's about being together. It's about connecting. It's about putting down your phone now, because that's a thing, Mm -hmm. right? Put down your phone, turn it off, look in each other's eyes and like allow yourself to remember and plug into those feelings and choose to be vulnerable. Someone's got to go first. I like how you're saying remember back because um, there's some research out there. I don't know if you're familiar with the Gottman research that talks about like if you actually, your memory of those early years, if you actually can't remember those early fond, loving feelings, that's a real problem. Like if you can't tap into that, but a lot of couples still can tap into that like the original, like you fell in love with Dennis the Menace 
in uh, in in uh, junior high and and things like that. So, h- how did you guys kind of just tap into the early love stuff to help get your marriage back on track? Oh, I don't know if he did. I'd have to ask him. He's not that guy. He's not tripped down memory lane. Because I'll be like, "Hey, you remember that?" He's like, "Nope." <laughs> what did we eat yesterday? But, I don't know. Yeah, I don't. Um, well, and the funny thing is, like, I got in a car accident, so now I'm that person where I'm like, no, I don't remember. Really? That happened? Yep. Which actually improved our marriage. It's kind of extreme. I wouldn't say get a concussion to save your marriage, but it has helped it a lot. Oh, my um, gosh. So, but here's what we did. We went on dates every week. Every week. He would plan them. He planned them probably for six months, but that was part of his journey with his counselor. Oh. Um, was planning unique dates and we would do it, but you know, like what did you guys used to do together when you were little, little, <laughs> when you were young, do it again. You know, like one of our things is, is Paul had a motorcycle and we would ride motorcycles. I would hop on the back of his motorcycle and we would ride motorcycle together. We still do that now, but we didn't for a long time. Cause who wants to be that close to someone they don't like, you know, mm. do it. I'm telling you, there is something about wrapping your arms around somebody it just breaks down that wall and it's, and it's meant to. So whatever your thing is, maybe it's high school football games or watching movies together or, you know, Chinese on your couch, do that. Farm out your kids. If your kids are of the age, they need to be farmed. And even if, honestly, kick them out if they're not, I don't mean for life, like, hey, your dad and I are going on a date night Friday night or your mom is going, your mom and I are going on a date night Friday night. So y'all need to spend the night somewhere else. Like do that for yourselves, like pull up a blanket. I mean, we're in the Midwest, so pull up a blanket, snuggle under it, do those things. But I tell you, it's so simple, Danielle, the dates, hold hands. And think about it. Like when you first fell in love, you didn't have money to do things. We didn't. Like, <laughs> no, I mean, I didn't either. It was just, yeah, like you said, those simple things like go to a high school football game or um, Justin, Justin was, we were kind of reminiscent about this the other day. He said, one of my favorite memories of us dating was just sitting at the playground swinging on swing. Aww, I and I was that. like, oh, that is really cute. And, and he's like, you want to go do that? And I'm like, Maybe, kind of. I feel like I have a vertigo thing now, so that might kind of bug me. But Let me can we me do, how about monkey bars? Can we do <laughs> monkey bars? Will that work? <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it doesn't have to be overly complicated. Yeah. And I don't think, honestly, like we were dirt poor. We were dirt poor before we were paying a million counselors. It is not hard. Going for a walk and holding hands is free. Yeah. It's free. Or going to the mall and sharing a drink together, dessert together is pretty cheap, you know? And you know what? Like if you have, like my kids are four and six, like Justin and I, we're over the mommy daddy guilt thing of like stick your kids in front of the iPad and just go do what you need to do. Like we'll just sit out on the front porch and, you know, read or talk or whatever. And we're like, kids go watch a movie. You're fine. I know you're four and six, but you're... 20 feet away from us. So, well, and you know, then they, can, the porch. <laughs> they get a thing for them, right? Put out a blanket, pop some popcorn. Like they get to have a date. Mommy and daddy are having a date on the front porch or the back porch or whatever, yeah. like make it that. And the thing is like, and I tell you the other thing is draw boundaries around when you're going to fight. You cannot have this oozing thing that goes on mm-hmm. forever. Just be like, we are going to discuss our issues Friday nights and we're going to let them go on Sunday morning. Like if we can't resolve something and pick a topic, like don't be doing what I did where you do, you know, like the machine. I bring everything in. Yes. 
<laughs> and when you were 13, you looked at me and blah, blah. No, just <laughs> tonight we're going to talk about one thing. Oh, I like that. I like that. Okay. So now you and Paul, of course, you're on the, you're back on the track. You guys have an amazing marriage and you guys are making an impact in your community. You not only just survived, like yeah. you guys are thriving you guys are building into your community. Can you tell us a, a little bit about the Military Mama Network and what you guys are doing? Yeah, so I'll, I, he doesn't do it. I oh, love him. Wow. I adore him. It's not his gig. And he he's he's so supportive of me though. And that, I think that's a big piece of it too. Like you guys may have very different dreams. Part of your job as a spouse is to support the other's dream. Like we have nine cars in our driveway because he likes to flip cars. It brings him joy, brings us a little bit of money. I think I don't even see the money, but to watch him be so excited about that. I mean, I kid him about it, but it makes him happy. So, you know what? It makes me happy because it, it, it's, it's his thing. And that's how he is with Military Mama Network. So the short story of how it started is my son joined the army and I'm a Navy family, generations, like lots of generations were a Navy family. And so I'm like, what do you mean you joined the army? I don't speak army. I don't know how to army, army. What is that? Well, so the army... Um, created a Facebook group for all of the parents, all of the families of these people going through training together. And so we all gathered together for the 10 weeks that our people were in training. And you know how there are people who are leaders and whether they acknowledge it or not, they rise to the top or to the front of an organization. Well, it took me a long time to say, I'm a leader, you know? And so I was leading long before I was leading. And so when they were done training, I'm like, well, now what do I do? Because we really were together and we had this shared mission. And I'm like, hey, do you guys want to keep going? Like, we can just keep doing this thing. And through that, through like a season of six months, uh, Military Mom Network was uh, birthed because it was taking over, ironically, my Facebook life. And I'm like, I'm just going to make a group. I don't know what these group things are, but let's make a group for Military Mom Network. We can do all our work there because I really want to have a personal life on, <laughs> on Facebook. Oh, yeah. And so we went from, um, I, I had turned 50 and had a birthday party. And the thing was, don't bring gifts, bring stuff for this soldier and his dog. And from that, which was a hundred invited guests to my backyard barbecue, not to bring stuff for this guy. Cause I really just want to say, thank you. I'm 50. I wouldn't be the person I am if not for you. And I want to just stop and today acknowledge your impact on my life. So that was the premise of the party. And the thing was, don't bring me a gap t-shirt, bring me something for this soldier and his dog. Well, then someone's like, hey, I've got this Air Force person. Can you help? And I'm like, well, I need my sister's Navy. So yeah, I feel like Air Force, come on in. Because it was very, very, very strongly Army. Well, then it was the Marines and then it was the Coasties. So we literally are all branches. Well, then someone's like, hey, can you help this veteran? And I'm like, well, my parents are veterans. Of course I'm going to help. So then, and that's really how we've evolved into this all 50 states, 40 countries. I just checked yesterday, 40 countries. Whoa, Jerry. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, really extraordinary thing that we have created and grown. And you know what? And I say this to people all the time because they're like, Paul's so solid. And he is, he's a solid guy. I'm like, you know what? It's his solid that allows me to do what I do. Mm -hmm. It is his absolute foundation and, and solidness that makes me able to fly out to Texas, to go to Florida, to spend 18 hours. And he's the person that reminds me, Jerry, put it all down and walk away. He doesn't say that literally, but I get the message, you know, we're like, this cannot be all consuming and whatever your thing that's all consuming as you can't let it be consuming for, for maybe a period of time when it needs to be, but not always. And so anyway, that's what we do. We connect people locally 
And we um, are believed, so 50% of our military um, never get anything from home, 50%. And so one of our things is make it personal, write a personal note, you know, and I'm always like hugs and prayers from Illinois. I can't wait till you to your stateside again, you know, send boxes. We export Christmas. We do baby showers across. We just do whatever is needed that the, the military doesn't provide. But a big piece of what we do is create community online and out in the world so that people like you and I can see eye to eye and speak the same language, whatever that language is. And people are feel less alone because I think in America now, we have such a profound sense of loneliness and separation that one of the things that we do, which was not an intention, but it definitely was a, it was a core of who we are, is like connect on that heart level. We're like, I see, you know, like the me too, me too. Like I miss my son. I love him. I'm proud of him and I miss him. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm afraid when he deploys next year, what's, what he's going to see is going to change him forever. And there's a mom or a dad or a sister or cousin that says me too. Mm -hmm. powerful like this conversation like how do you survive how do you get past a marriage like you do this and this and this I know those feelings me too me too is so powerful oh my gosh that's so amazing like just um did you ever think that like helping a soldier with his dog would lead to just this crazy wave of momentum that you're reaching you know every state in the U.S. like that's crazy no (laughs) <laughs> no, Danielle, I had a job that I loved. I had hobbies, you know, I had, uh, I mean, we're, our marriage is phenomenal, but I had a marriage I was really enjoying and my kids were at an age where like we could leave them guilt-free, but also we loved being around them, family and all that. And, and I've said many times, like, I love what, I love what this does. I love Military Mama Network. Uh, it is a grueling, unrelenting mistress. You know what I mean? Yeah. If I could go back to that barbecue, would I, there are a lot of days where I wouldn't ask for a soldier and his dog. You know, I really think that we, I really believe this. We are all on earth for a reason. And then it's not just to mix carbon and water and all that poof stuff. We all are given a mission in life. And it may be, you know, when my kids were little, it was just to raise kids who knew they were loved. I didn't know that growing up. My husband didn't accept it. You know, like it was hard for him to be like, I'm a lovable person. Mm-hmm. I'm more celebrating, you know, then it's like his parents are German. So they're, they are not warm and fuzzy people. They're wonderful, wonderful people, but they're not the people that you crawl up in their lap to get comfort. You know what I mean? Now it's a little different story of raising me and they were raising nine kids. So it was tough. But anyway, you know, I just wanted, and we wanted as a couple for our kids to know that they were loved, that they were special and that they had a purpose in life. That was it. I wasn't lofty. I mean, I realize now in retrospect, that is a freaking lofty. If you think just raising kids to be healthy and loved and, and give back to the world is, is a small goal, let me tell you, it is not. You know? that's, a, that's an interesting thing that you bring up too, is like everybody is created with a purpose. I wonder how, how has that sp- like inspired your kids? So my son occasionally will say something, but it's usually on Facebook, so I have to read it. But I mean, there have been some really extraordinary moments in our history where he was like, look at what my mom did. And that really, that makes me very proud. You know, it, it, it's a very good feeling when your kids are like, I'm proud of what you do. Yeah. My daughter is a single mom of three kids, two of which are special needs. And so, um, and she'll say it, you know, she's much more 
capable, I think, of expressing in words. But we, we she also lives here, so it's easy in the accessibility. But she'll be like, Mom, I'm proud of you, or Mom, that was really cool. Or, um, But the thing that I love about them and what they've seen our us go through and like our purpose, and, and I believe that they know that their dad's purpose really is to, to give back. And it doesn't sound like a big thing, but let me tell you, like he flips cars. And so for the single parent or the college kid who can't afford and don't have parents putting a car with a bow on it at graduation, he goes over these cars with fine tooth combs and scrubs them and details them. So you're not just buying some crappy car covered with rust. Like he puts his heart and soul into it and they watch him give of himself physically so that there's someone out there like his daughter, a single mom with kids, has got a reliable car that doesn't look like crap. It like makes me so proud of him. And so I think that they see a lot of it. But Cassie, I think, is, is, um, has gotten her mission, too, you know, where Joseph's to serve our country, right? And, he, and his thing is, is lead. You know, like either, leaders eat last is, is really a tenant that he embraces and lives. And I'm so proud of him for that. Mm-hmm. People are like, oh, you must be so proud to graduate from West Point. I'm like, you know what I'm proud of? I'm proud that I get to watch. I'm going to totally get emotional again because I love my kids to death. I watched him encourage a kid who was scared and overwhelmed. And like, literally, I thought this kid was going to vomit because Joseph as a senior was speaking to him as a coming in freshman. And Joseph spoke to him and spoke to him and engaged him and reached out his hand and shook his hand. And I literally watched this kid's anxiety fall away, you know, and how he takes care of his people. And I knew long before he graduated, he's that person. He's going to be such a great leader and officer because of his heart for people. So that's Joseph. Cassie has figured out her mission, you know, Danielle, like through her kids and what she's had to battle in the court system to get them protected, in the school system to get them served, to to watch her evolve as a mom and as a woman, to, to calm her voice down when she wants to scream, you know, and to give of herself until literally she could fall over because of her boys and to continue. She just doesn't give up, you know? And so like, we all have our missions. They're all expressed really differently, but it's the same thing like tenacity and people and heart. And, you know, I mean, yeah, I, I think that they're proud of what, what I do with military mom and network, but, but I, I'm really proud of it. Yeah. I love how you're saying like, you know, it doesn't have to do with necessarily your purpose, but they found their purpose. Theirs. And, and everybody in your family has something. And and I love how you were saying as a whole family, your mission was to raise them loved and cared for and have a purpose. Check. check, Yeah. Take that off now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So beautiful. Okay. Jerry Ann, I think we could talk all day, but we're, (laughs) we're going to wrap up. There's so much great stuff in there. I know that my listeners are going to want to find out what's going on with Military Mama Network and how they can help plug into what you guys are doing. Um, How can our listeners find you? Well, Facebook, Facebook loves us and we love Facebook. Uh, So it's Military Mama, M-A-M-A. So make sure you spell it right if you're in the South. Um, And and then we have a TM on our um, group that you can join. So that's how you can find us. We also have a business page, but it's Military Mama Network. And then we're at like, we have a website and all of that stuff. But yeah, we would love, because it's not just, Danielle, it's not for people who serve. It's people who love people who serve, you know? Mm -hmm. And we are getting active duty people. But um, yeah, we'd love to join you. And honestly, if, um, 
And military marriages, we didn't even talk about that. I know we've got like two minutes, but military marriages are under extraordinary stress, extraordinary mm-hmm. stress. So if you are married to someone who serves, if you are married to a veteran who did serve and is still dealing with that, or you have a child who is married, join us because we do talk about this stuff. And we'll tell you like, no, that's a marriage thing, you know, but we're, we also are there for the couples and be like, you guys can do this. Like mm-hmm. we're, and we're here with you. You're not alone. Like that whole me too thing. It's an extraordinary strength. So find us for whatever reason, if you love someone who ever served is serving or will serve, come on board. All right. Jerry Ann, thanks so much for being on the show with us today. Hey, thanks for having me. This was really fun. I feel like we need to play some Eye of the Tiger. Eye of the Tiger. Eye of the Tiger. It's the Okay, cream you can't do that. Copyright. Pie. Copyright violations. But it doesn't sound exactly like it. But man, I just what really convicted me here yeah. is just snapping out of the stuff that you're just holding on to until the kids get out of school. All those things where we just settle and settle and settle and say, it's good enough. It's, it's not that big a deal. It's not that big a deal. Well, we'll we'll just come back to that later. I have this picture of like Jerry Ann, like doing the fighting montage where she's like punching the punching bag. Boom, 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 boom. Like she was running up the steps in Rocky, right? (laughs) Yeah. She and Paul both fighting for God's best. I love it. So here's the talk about it segment of the show. Every week we challenge you to set a time with your spouse to have a conversation that matters. Why are you doing my line? All right. Come on. Go for it, babe. And now the talk about it segment of the show. Each week we challenge you to set a time with your spouse to have a conversation that matters. See, you can do some mine, flair. Wasn't mine better than that? No, yours wasn't better. All right, come on, do okay. it. Okay, what is an area of our marriage where we find ourselves settling? <gasps> oh, she's giving me the don't actually answer. Look, okay. We'll talk about it later, honey. All right. <laughs> So that's the question we want you to talk about this week with your spouse. All right. Next week on the show, we have a powerhouse couple, Chris and Beth Bruno, and they are bringing to light an important parenting issue, and that's how to indoctrinate our preteens into adulthood. They're talking about rites of passage, and Chris and Beth are a couple that bring so much intentionality to their family and their parenting. And uh, just take a listen to this clip. So when I first held my son in the hospital after he was born, I kind of had this moment of wow and oh crap. Like, wow, what an amazing being that has just entered in the world. And uh uh-oh, I've got to, uh, he just made me, he transitioned me from a husband into a father. I'm still a husband, but he made me a father in that moment that he was born, my first child. And so this, this, oh crap moment was I've got to father this boy. And I don't know, I don't know how to do that. All right. You're going to want to hear their couple story and how they've used the preteen years and turned them into something really magical with their kids and the impact that that's had on their relationship as well. All right. That's it for today's show. But as always, we're talking about the hot topics from the podcast and so much more over in our free community on Facebook. So come join the conversation at legendarymarriage.com slash community. You can find this episode and the show notes over at legendarymarriage.com slash zero nine six. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of the Legendary Marriage Podcast. This is Danielle and Justin reminding you... Don't settle for an ordinary marriage. Make yours legendary. Legendary.